right? This week is our last Life at the Lake uh, series. The summer draws to conclude, conclude, conclusion, and uh, <clears throat> everybody heads back to school. Oh, yay. I don't, know. I don't know where you fall on that spectrum. Some people it's a yay. Some people it's a, they're my babies. Uh, so if you talk to Emma Graf today, she got her shots for kindergarten. It's a big deal. It is a big deal, you know. Um, so we're excited for her as she goes off, but and for everyone, we have a huge class that's starting kindergarten this year. Uh, it was like eight, nine kids who's all starting kindergarten this year, uh, starting that adventure. It's really, really exciting stuff. So much so that we've had to like start getting really flexible in how we do ministry in the back because this big, huge uh, group is moving around. Uh, we're going to have our kids come in uh, later today to observe the uh, the baptismal. Baptism. So um, just be on, be flexible with that as we have the little ones uh, join us later today. As we conclude <clears throat> this Life of the Lake series, I've started every, every message has talked about Jesus is something. He is healing. He is peace. He is purpose. He is blank. Um, there's been uh, nine of these or eight of these that have been Jesus is something. And today I've left it, Jesus is, and we get to fill in the blank today. We get to go, okay, who is he actually going to be for us? And the question for today is, is Jesus Lord or is he servant? And the answer to that question has huge ramifications for how you view Christ and what Jesus does in your life. Because in my American context, in my consumerism, I want Jesus to be my servant, if I'm honest with you. I want him to do what I want him to do when I want him to do it. I want Jesus to save me when I have a boo-boo, to get me out of hell, to make my life perfect, and give me a good job while you're at it. And that's Jesus as servant, which is not found in the scripture. Jesus serves us in that he saves us from hell, but as he acts as Lord, as a good Lord would, a good Lord, a good king would always go and serve his people in that way. But being Lord, he also has some marching orders that comes with a price, that comes with obligation, as any king has. Being an American and being a democracy, I don't like Jesus as Lord. I don't like it when anybody's in charge of me. I don't like traffic signals. <laughs> Paul and Perry, amens. <laughs> um, side note, I got more amens on I don't like traffic signals than I've gotten on about most of the things, but hey, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. But I don't, like, I don't like that authority figure over top of me. But Jesus is either Lord or he is servant in our context. And we have to choose which one we're going to put him at. He is Lord no matter what. However, the way in which we treat him dramatically changes our relationship with him. And I've got to be honest with you. I am far too often guilty of treating him as my servant And not as my Lord. And for me, one of the ways in which I fall in love with God as my Lord so easily is I observe nature on these gorgeous days. 
right now. We are having like the prettiest time. It's going to rain all week now that I said this, but we, we're having just this gorgeous, gorgeous days to observe nature, observe what's going on, observe, observe what he's created. It's pretty easy. to Lord of all creation, the thing that started all this, the thing that knit all this together, the thing that said, ah, oh, these molecules together would make something really cool. And we treat that being as our servant. Something is wrong with this picture. We either, our answer to our question, Jesus is Lord or servant, dramatically affects everything else in our faith. And how we even work with God, how we live out our faith. So we're going to recap three of the messages that uh, we gave, that I gave over the summer, because I think they they, they very concisely talk about what it looks like when Jesus is Lord or he is our servant and how we interact with him. Uh, The theme of this scripture, or the theme, we really did not have a theme going into it. When we brainstormed this whole series, uh, we were just looking. We had my whole whiteboard in my office full of all the things Jesus did at the Sea of Galilee. We weren't looking for things that went together. We weren't trying to be all cutesy. But, every, but as we preached them and as, as we worked through them and as we even looked through songs for the things, the, they started coalescing into the different groups. And three of those groups today is what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Jesus is healing, Jesus is peace, and Jesus is purpose. One of those three things, almost all the actions of Jesus around the Sea of Galilee could start to funnel into one of those three different areas. First, we want to tackle Jesus is healing. Healing is when broken things are given to the one who can fix them. Healing is when broken things are given to the one who can fix them. Now think about that. If your kid breaks his arm, or you break your arm, there's going to be some screaming and crying involved. Correct? That's I've never broken a bone, I don't think. Maybe a finger, because they're kind of weird looking. But other than that, I, I just I never, never have done that. But I know something about broken bones, is when you break it, you have to set it, right? And the setting process seems to be more painful than the actual breaking process, from my extensive watching of royal paints. <laughs> That's what I've gleaned. Uh, so we, we, the setting process looks more painful than the breaking process, except... If you do not set them, you're always going to have something wrong with your leg or your, whatever you've broken. If you don't set your femur when you break your femur, your leg is going to be weak. Your leg is never going to fully heal. Your leg is never going to have its purpose anymore. You're always going to be with a limp. You're always going to maybe not even be able to walk again. With whatever that looks like, if you do not get that set, is it going to be painful to set it? Absolutely. But I think sometimes as a culture, as a people, as even a church, we have broken things in our heart. And we're like, okay, you know what? It's going to be painful to deal with that. I, I don't really want to go to the doctor. I don't want to go to the source that can fix that because that might hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But your heart will never be able to reach its potential. Your heart will never be able to have the wholeness that it yearns for, that you yearn for, unless you're willing to go through the setting process. Does that make sense? That's painful. That's, but the difference, the caveat between that is, listen, a servant will say, all right, you, you don't have to get your heart set. You don't have to get your femur set. Because they... they you're their boss. You don't have to go through that pain, boss. 
A Lord says, listen, come here. I will jerk that leg right now. Because he knows what's best. Because if you're his servant, he needs the most out of you. What good's a one-legged servant? What, what's good is a servant who's not willing to live up to his potential, not going through the hard stuff of going through the healing process. So often we go to people that can't help us. We go to people in our family. We, we gossip to the people we work around. We're like, oh my goodness, my heart is broken with this and this and this and this. I'm like, man, that is a shame. But none of those people will say, that's because you're being dumb. That's because you got sin in your life. That's because you're sleeping around. That's because you're addicted to pornography. That's because you lie every time you open your mouth. Your friends aren't going to do that. Your mama's not even going to do that. Jesus will poke right back at that. That's the difference. Do we want a servant or do we want Lord? That's a big ass. That's a big thing. But that's what we're saying when we say, Jesus, come into my heart. We're not just saying, Jesus, get me out of hell because that'd be awesome. We're saying, Jesus, I, I need you to be Lord of my life because I've got stuff in here that is messy and only you can fix it. I feel like sometimes we go to the pharmacists when we have broken legs. We go to counselors are a great thing. I'm not telling you not to go to a counselor. I'm not telling you not to you know, do, do those things because we all got issues. We need to work them out. But it's like we go to a pharmacist for a broken limb. They can prescribe you something. They can give you something that helps the pain, but they can't fix the root problem. And we are a society built on just going to things that will treat symptoms and not root issues. Is Jesus Lord or is he servant? Jesus is, Mark uh, 5, 22 to 24 says this. <clears throat> the one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw his, when he saw, I'm sorry, when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, "My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her, so that she will be healed and live." So Jesus went with him. Mark four five forty one. He took her by the hand and said to her, "This is Jesus, Talithia kum, which means little girl. I say to you, get up." Now this is when. I love this. This is also found in Luke 8. It, if you looked at Luke 8 in any of my Bibles, it's like highlighted, marked. I love it. I could preach it every day, all day, all year long, and not get tired of it. But Mark, <clears throat> this is that story. We talked about it in Jesus' healing a lot. There's a lot going on here. But what happens is this man knows. He doesn't go to the Roman governor. He doesn't go to the powers that be. He doesn't go to any of those things. He runs to Jesus when his daughter is dying. He goes to the one who can actually fix her. As a man who's had a daughter who can't breathe, there is nothing that you will not do to get her to the right person. And so if you have that kind of concept and you do that kind of thing and and you think about where Jesus is at in this moment, Jesus takes his sweet time getting to Jairus' daughter. He's healing people. He's talking to people. There's a crowd around him. He's just, oh, yeah, it's a nice day out here, nice brother. You know, how you doing? I'm kissing babies, shaking hands. I can imagine Jerry. He's like, I know you're Lord, but I'm about to smack you because <laughs> my daughter, she's dying. And she, mm. you know, Peter's like, it's okay, buddy. He, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> you can just imagine that. But you, could you imagine getting, we read it and we're like, oh, yeah, Jesus, Jesus is going to take care of it because we know how the story ends. Jerry doesn't know how the story ends, does he? 
He doesn't know how this is going to work. He doesn't know what it's going to end up at. He just knows that his daughter is dying. And he's got to go to this guy. Jesus is the only one that can fix him. I just love that Jesus ends this. He parentheses it with, okay. He parentheses it with the end. He's like, little girl, get up. It's because a guy was willing to say, Jesus, your Lord, it's on your timetable. He, you don't, in Mark, in Matthew, and in Luke, all the three recountings of the story, you don't see Jairus like, Jesus, 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 Jesus. He's not bugging him. It's not, and, and Jairus said, get the lead out. It's not in there. That would have been a really funny verse to quote sometime, but uh, that's not in there. He's just like, okay, okay. But he has to respect the process in which Jesus does. That's what a Lord does, what someone who's treating Jesus as Lord does, respects the process of Jesus. There might be some other things. This is really hard because, like you, I want it done yesterday. But a servant, when we treat Jesus as a servant, we expect it to be on our timetable, do we not? We expect it to be done. If Jesus was here to be a servant, he would have ran right to that guy's house and be like, boom! All right, got anything else? Crop's bad? Need a raise? Got somebody I can, like, smite for you? (laughs) You see the difference? Good, because we're going to be doing this for 20 more minutes, so it's going to be fun. Jesus is either Lord or he is servant. And how we answer that question changes everything about our faith. In the process of the, part of that crowd has got to be going around like, oh, we know Jerry. Jerry's is a big time dude. He's like basically a, a, a city councilman. Everyone would have known him. And everyone would have known his daughter is sick. Okay, there's no, you know, the, the ancient Facebook would have been blowing up about this. And everyone would have known, and like, oh, what's Jesus going to do about his daughter? And so this huge crowd is following, like, okay, what's he going to do now? 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 And so Jesus taking the time to heal other people and to de- and speak into other people's lives and change other people's lives is the process in which it all happens. Sometimes in our hurts, in our wounds, in all the stuff that's going on in our own life, the process is not just only beneficial for us, but is beneficial for the ones around us. That is when we can see Jesus as Lord instead of as servant. And man, does that stink. As a son who has a sick mom, that process stinks. Be honest with you. Get really upset with God about this sometimes. And it comes back to, is he in charge or am I? Whether I think I'm in charge or not, he still is. It changes the way my faith works and my view of God, my anxiety level, my anger level with God when I put those in the right perspective. Jesus is peace. We miss peace when we focus in on our circumstances instead of his power. We miss peace when we focus on our circumstances instead of his power. Matthew six twenty five to 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. It's not, excuse me, it's not life more than food. Is not life more than food, and body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And you are, not, are you not much more valuable than they? 
Can any one of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. So not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about, his, about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Even the pagans worry about these things. And pagans is just the way to say godless, the people who don't have faith. And so if we are people who are saying that we are Christ followers and we're still consumed by the worry of all the stuff that's going on in our lives, we are acting the same as though we do not have Christ. Why? Because we're treating God as a servant, not as Lord. You see, did you catch this? Here, it's all about the kingdom, but seek first his, your kingdom, your provision, your clothes, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. I confess to you, Jared wants to build his own kingdom. Jared wants his own stuff. Jared wants to think about his own clothes. Maybe there's some confession that needs to happen in your heart, in your time. Scott, I've been serving my own kingdom. I haven't been serving your kingdom. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Ain't that right, Jill? You got a kid going to school next week. Right? We got a choice. We'll look at Jill's fingernails next week. Did she bite them all off or is she okay? <laughs> right? But it's the thing. We all have stuff in our life that are legitimate excuses to be worried about. The problem is we do not have a legitimate excuse to be worried about it if Jesus Christ, Lord of all creation, creator of everything, is actually Lord of our life. Is he who he says he is, or is he our servant? Ask the question in your own heart. You might not be happy with the results of that answer. But movement can't happen. Change can't happen unless you're honest enough with yourself to start breaking down those hurts and those worries and that stuff in your life. Christ offers us a life in which we start it by trusting him with our future and continually work on trusting him with our present. Some people may think like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to heaven today. I don't know, I don't know about my eternal security. Uh, I've been dealing with some people uh, into life issues, and they start to get stressed out about that, those things. I understand that. But I don't wake up every day going, ah, oh, I hope I'm going to heaven today. But trusting Jesus with a day-to-day, trusting Jesus with my life, trusting Jesus with my parenting, trusting Jesus with my marriage, trusting Jesus with my work, those are always in doubt. And they shouldn't be. Because if he's Lord of my afterlife, he's Lord of this life as well. Jesus is purpose. Jesus takes ordinary and makes them extraordinary by giving them purpose. Matthew 4, 
18. Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. He, he saw two brothers. They were Simon. His other name was Peter and Andrew, his, his brother. They were pulling a net into the sea, and they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, Follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going from there, Jesus saw two other brothers. They were James and John, sons of Zebedee. <clears throat> they were sitting in a boat with their father, mending their nets. Jesus called them. At once they left their boat and their father and followed Jesus. Zebedee was probably a little cranky about this whole thing. Just context, contextually. What do you, could you road me to the shore? <clears throat> Boys, I'm going to whoop you. Uh, but anyway, what stands out to me is Jesus takes the ordinary you can't get more ordinary than a couple of fishermen, than a couple of guys just going out to catch their dinner. You cannot, that's like bare bones, you know, blue collar Joe Schmo. That's it. And he takes their lives and he says, I'm going to change the world with you, with me, with you. I'm not, you're not going to live a life that is, that is, oh, just a little bit better. Can you imagine? Your, your job is a fisherman. I mean, stinky, grimy, go for guts. You know, we meet without a spoon. It's basically, fishermen, you stink all day. This is what you're doing. And he says, you know what? Why don't you come follow me? You're going to fish for men. The only thing stinkier than fish is a bunch of humans, but that's okay. Hello. <laughs> so, what we have, what we got going on here is, he says, listen, I believe in you. And these are a bunch of teenage runts. These are a bunch of just jokers. 15, 16, 17 years old. So says, hey, come on with me. I'll make you fish for men. Just ordinary teenage boys. He says, I'm going to change the world with you. Think about the ramifications of these guys. These guys put it in perspective and said, okay, this guy is Lord. Because out of these 12 guys that he calls, they change the world. They change the calendar. It is 80 or BC before, it is 80 after, no matter what your history class is trying to do. It changes for a reason. There's a reason it's the common era because Christ said, boom, we're going to change some things around here. That happens because some guys say, you know what, this is important and we're willing to risk our life for the story of Christ. Not, we don't do that for a servant. You don't do that for a guy who is just like, oh, he's a nice guy who, who fixed my boo-boos. You do that for a Lord. You don't get crucified upside down for your servant. You get crucified upside down for your Savior and for your Lord. For us today, we are tapping into, when we have uh, answer the question of Jesus is Lord, then that comes with it a purpose. That comes with it a calling. No matter if we're you know, selling ice to Eskimos, or if we are a neurosurgeon, it doesn't matter. That If Jesus is Lord, it comes with a purpose to point people back to our Lord. It doesn't have to be a fancy calling. It doesn't have to be fan- some, some wonderful, uber wonderful thing. It is all calling us back to our Lord. If he really is our Lord, it should be second nature to say, do you know how great my king is? I don't know anybody who uh, superheroes are superheroes are big in my house right now. We got Batman capes, we got Superman capes, we got T-shirts, we got the whole d- going on, and that's just me. But um, <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, Superman Saturday morning, Justice League, we got it going on. You know, 
Kendall's all about Wonder Woman because she's like, yeah, there's a girl involved. And Bowen's, you know, it doesn't matter what, what's going on, but superheroes are big. Let me tell you what, their favorite is not Alfred. Their, fa- their favorite is not the servant. Their favorite, no one's like, oh, I want to be Alfred today. You don't introduce people to Alfred. You don't, it, it, Alfred's awesome. Batman would not be Batman without Alfred, legitimately. Okay, we can have this debate later. However, <laughs> no one's saying, oh, let me, let me introduce you to, Al, to Alfred. Let me introduce you to the servant. Let me introduce you to that. No, 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 no. They want to be that. I, if I'm going to meet Superman, I'm going to be Batman. I want to be, I want to be the, the, the guy who rescues the day. But that, there's a reason. They're the Lord. They're the superior being, not just the servant. They're the guy in charge. Jesus is what? Our Lord or is he our servant? How is our mindset in that? What are you guys truly doing with that in your heart? We have been so easily to say, Jesus, take care of this, this, and this. Because I tell you what, my prayers look like a laundry list of to-dos for my servant. They don't look like an adoration and coming before a king. There's a reason that people for thousands of years got on their face when they prayed. They understood kingship. And my posture when I when I pray all too often, just totally telling you, is laying on my back in my bed. Totally comfortable. Just like I would if a servant was, if I rang a bell and said, Servant, come serve me. What is our posture towards Jesus? What is our posture towards the Lord? We're singing all of our songs today have been about Lord. You are Lord. You are Lord. You are Lord. We can sing it with our mouths, but it is in our heart. For some of us who have said we're Christians, maybe 30, 40 years, is Jesus Lord of our lives, truly and utterly. If he's been a servant for far too long, we need to make a decision. God, I want you to be Lord of my life. Let's pray today. God, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you for today. Thank you for... being our Lord. Thank you that you have enough patience with us that you even, uh, that you don't just throw us away when we treat you for less than you are. God, you are amazing. But God, right now, I want to give you all of me. I want to give you my whole heart. I want to give you my whole being. I don't want to just keep on holding all my junk back. I want to take my stuff to the one who can change me and change things. God, if if I'm in a place with Jarius, that I'm like the dad who just wants you to fix his daughter, God, I ask you for the patience that I don't give up on you, that I, don't, I respect the process. I respect what you're trying to do in me, and I respect what you're, what you're doing for the people around me. God, I ask, I know there's people in here right now that need your healing, they need your peace, and they need your purpose. 
And that all comes from saying that you are Lord. And God, we, right now, we just submit ourselves to you. God, I, I confess that I've not treated you as Lord enough, that I, that I fight this battle inside me. And so God, right now, I just, I just pour that confession out. and say, God, take, take my life. Let me put you in the right place. Keep you in the right perspective. Lord, we need you in this community. We need you in this church. Not as a servant, but as our leader. As our king. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.